Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Toe Meets Lead Podcast. I'm Logan, coming to you live from Augusta. Uh, with me today are my two Georgia Tech buddies, Tommy and Andrew. How are y'all doing, guys? Doing good, Logan. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's almost Friday. Yeah. Tommy, I'm really impressed with your ceiling fan. Andrew, I'm really impressed with your uh, – I don't think you have a ceiling fan. I don't know. Works out. And out there trying to shirk off work at this exact moment, Artem. How's it going, Artem? I'm off work and uh, ready to beat Bama this week, Logan. Uh, Congrats on your new job, Artem. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm congrats on your new job, and uh, good luck with that uh, daydream you got over there. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't believe for a second based on what's happened. But maybe you won't lose by like fifty. That would be a pretty good, pretty good stand to put up. Winning is putting up more than three points, which is what the the teams the last two weeks have done combined. <laughs> yeah, between. Dude, I wouldn't throw a shade right before you play Alabama. <laughs> oh man. We saw what happened with Vandy when they pulled that sh- shit. Anyway, next, let's just get back right into it. So week four, or sorry, week five, rather, didn't have a lot of impressive games for myself. But uh, I did watch the Georgia Tech game against UNC. <laughs> Honestly, I was a little disappointed because knowing what I know about UNC with the injuries, with how bad they've been kind of coming into this, I was expecting a significantly bigger blowout. Uh, that said, we did win by I believe 26 points so overall it was a pretty good win we continue to have fumble issues although we got a pick immediately following overall it's a good slate it gets us into the bye week a pretty a bye week I'm pretty confident that we can win um, and hopefully sets us up for good performance two weeks down the road against Miami Tommy, I know you were watching that game. What were your thoughts coming away? Are you proud of your team right now for how they handled the UNC game? Um, I mean, turnovers are still an issue. Um, at least it wasn't four. Um, but I, I mean, Carolina's beat up. Um, the injury report I think for this week is nineteen players now. Um, with like three of them are out for the season guaranteed. And I think six of those 19 are starters. And I think two of those that are out for the season are starters. So, I mean, just like unprecedented injury. So I, I don't know how much we can count this game to mean anything and, or any of Carolina's games, uh, unless they can get healthy pretty quickly. Um, which it doesn't look like it. Not to mention how many people they lost, you know, names like the number one pick in the draft, Trubitsky, and their best wide receiver in Ryan Switzer. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the storyline of this game is not what Georgia Tech did, but um, poor UNC. Uh, on that note, uh, Andrew, how was it uh, sitting there? Did Elizabeth uh, have to leave the apartment while this was going on? She did. She actually went and did some shopping uh, for most of the second half. I don't blame. Um, I don't blame her. The first half was surprisingly close, from my perspective, anyway. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, I think Tommy hit on it right. They're going through what we went through two years ago where they've just got injuries across the board. There was already going to be a bit of a rebuilding year for Carolina anyway, but they've just lost so much in every spot that it's it's going to be a tough season for them. Yeah, on the other hand, Georgia Tech, I think, looked good, came in, took care of business, you know, took the game out of hand. The fumbles, you know, for the week before to this week, you gotta you gotta clean that up. You know, you, you play a good team, like we play in two weeks, and you know, that's what happened last year against Miami. We had two fumble touchdowns that, you know, ended up being the difference in the game. So I'm interested to see what that can do as well as tech will have a bye week in Miami while having to play Florida state. And historically Miami's really had a hangover the week after the Florida state game. They don't have a really good record. So we interesting to see what that impacts with playing Georgia tech, given that we struggle against Miami. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. We also struggle against Mark Richt, who is going to be a pant in the ass for the rest of my life. Um, so, Apparently, we've got the toughest schedule moving forward of any of the teams, and I'm kind of astounded by that because three of the teams on that list are Duke, Wake Forest, and Virginia, of all people. It's kind of a wonder. If you had told me that at the beginning of the year that those were going to be some of the tougher teams that we have to face, uh, it's kind of a perplexing situation. That said, because of the hurricane, we're already kind of down in the amount of games we get to play. I'm not sure we would want to play UCF anyway. But, Andrew, looking at the remainder of the season, do you think we can make a bowl game with those teams on the schedule? I think so. It's just, again, it's about turnovers. I think if we can stop turning the ball over, we've got a chance to win the division. You know, my, you know we'll know a lot more, obviously, after we play Miami. But no one outside of Clemson in the ACC has looked unbeatable to me uh, and having watched us you know we we're actually playing fairly well defensively you know we're leading we're at one of the best four three and out ratios in the country we're able to get a little bit of pressure with our front four and I don't know if that's because Pitt and North Carolina have terrible offensive lines again I think the Miami game will really be kind of telling if we can go down and win that one I think it really sets us up to to have a good shot to go in and win the division. You know, if we go down there and get, you know, bitch slapped, then we'll talk about it after. We'll talk about it on that podcast. Um. Yeah. Let's let's not. You know. Let's plus, just you look not... at Wake. Wake only has one loss to Florida State. Duke only has one loss to Miami. And who and who's Virginia's loss? Probably one of their insane out of conference games because they schedule in the hardest teams in the country every year. But, you know, they blew out Boise State. I mean, Virginia's looking like they've made some strides. Which I'm just happy for Virginia because I know they've really struggled in the past. So good for them. Uh, Yeah, I'm hoping things will turn out. Let's just try not to get blown out by Miami or Clemson for that matter. Let's just win those games. I would be good with that. Honestly, if we can keep the Clemson game close, I will consider that a win. Um. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Well, I didn't mean to take up all the time talking about Georgia Tech. Uh, Artem, I didn't actually watch the Texas A&M situation last week because I assumed, hey, they're just going to run away with it. South Carolina's not that good. 
I believe, based on what my ESPN app was telling me, that it was a lot closer than I had anticipated. Uh, what did you take away from that game, watching it a little more closely than I did? Uh, I wanted to throw out a correction there, Tommy. Trubisky was the number two pick. Miles Garrett from Texas A&M was the number one overall pick. But um, from the game last week, um, it was it was different. This is a completely different team than last year, and regardless of how the games have turned out, the last three weeks has shown us that. Uh, last year, last year's team, even with how clutch Trevor Knight was, they couldn't close out games, and they ended up losing every SEC contest on the back end of their schedule. And the only game they won, I think, was uh, New Mexico State. Um, so this year's team is full of youngsters, which I said on our last podcast, and uh, they've been thoroughly impressing every week because every week we've gotten lucky to a point where the the next week the team we're playing is progressively harder than the team we played before, and it would be interesting to see how those youngsters develop and how, you know, if we do fall behind, how they do. So in the last three weeks, you've seen exactly that. We've, we haven't matched... Um, we haven't played all four quarters as the score or the, the line, the Vegas line would predict, but we've covered the Vegas line almost every single time. So um, Lafayette, uh, we were down at the half 21, uh, 14 to 21. We ended up not letting them score a single point in the second half and putting 20 plus on the board and uh, more than, I think, actually evenly covered the line because it was 20 something. Um then we played Arkansas. Uh, the line was a lot lower because the teams were a lot closer at the time. Um, ended up beating them in overtime uh, by seven, which was past the line. And then uh, this past week against South Carolina was kind of along the same lines. You know, they kept up close in mid third quarter, fourth quarter. Um, all of a sudden, the same youngsters who you know, we're maybe performing at 70, 80%. We're now performing at 100%. They were making clutch plays. Uh, honestly, the playmaking got, play uh, play calling got different. Um, they were taking a little bit bigger risk. They were trusting those youngsters with, uh, you know, third and eight pass in the coverage, man to man close situations. And they were completing those plays, completing those downs. So um, if I remember correctly, it was 17, 17, uh, kind of mid third. And then, honestly, um, the refs helped us out. They made a couple of really bad calls, and the stadium got pissed. In my seven years as an A&M fan, almost ten years as an Aggie fan, uh, I've never heard our stadium boo. Actually, we have a tradition. We're supposed to be classy, and we're supposed to hiss and not boo. But uh, some of the calls uh, made, especially with the new ejection stuff, were so crappy. Uh, that I actually heard the entire alumni section stand up and start booing the refs. Uh, they pissed off the fans. Uh, everybody got really excited. Everybody got really loud. And you could see the young- youngsters fed off of that. And we ended up uh, running away with that game. Uh, we were able to control the fourth clock and uh, the clock in the fourth quarter and uh, win it by 10. Um, kind of like I said last week, I think nobody on our schedule looks unbeatable. The caveat is Bama. Um, everybody else in the SEC, as we've come to see, and you know, you mentioned uh, LSU, Florida, uh, Georgia, they don't look unbeatable. They look kind of shaky, and they're doing worse every week. Honestly, uh, Bama is doing the opposite of that. Uh, my only hope is, you know, it's Saturday in college football, and uh, anything can happen. So, hopeful for this week. Fair enough. Yeah, I wasn't even going to ask about the bowl game situation when you've got New Mexico, Ole Miss, 
and LSU after what we saw this week on your schedule. You've already won four games, so I'm pretty confident that you can at least make it to a bowl game in these situations. It's kind of interesting that you picked up on the uh, uh, crowd booing. I, that's something I didn't really realize about the Texas A&M crowd, so it's interesting to hear. But at least now you know what it's like to have ACC refs uh, repping your games. So, well, well, I want to say it wasn't just that game. I've seen it all week, honestly. When we were watching the earlier games on Friday, uh, Thursday, there was a lot of really bad calls made by refs. Uh, and most of them are regarding targeting. So I think that rule is going to change going into the offseason, just to make it a little more clear. Well, I think they've been very aggressive with targeting, but I think at the same time uh, you've seen a kind of spike in it, especially over the past couple of weeks. Anyway, that's that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, moving on. So I kind of touched on it earlier. Personally, I didn't find as many interesting games in week five as I think some of – you guys were looking for and found a lot of them were blowouts kind of expected blowouts even if they uh even if they were at home and we were a little surprised the big one though that i think everybody was talking about after the week ended was troy handling lsu i mean on paper 24 21 yeah it doesn't look too bad but at a night game in death valley it was really bad also something that doesn't stand out is lsu had to struggle to get back into that game in the second half troy pretty much dominated them all the way through in fact they were very close to winning by an extra touchdown if not for a fumble on the goal line of lsu uh it was quite a surprising game to watch um considering all the thought that we've given to lsu coming into this year and the struggles that they've shown. Uh, I was even listening to some podcasts last week regarding how, oh, no, don't worry, LSU is going to bounce back. They've got the recruiting. They've got the talent from their players. Their coaching is going to take back over. And, frankly, that was not the case, uh, despite what perceptions may lead you to believe. Uh, Tommy, you had some strong thoughts uh, regarding – this situation and its impact on the SEC as a whole. Why don't you go ahead and take over? Yeah, so um, the the first thing is just to kind of give people some clarity on Troy. It's for a Sun Belt team. Uh, they may not be terrible, but the team we're talking about in Troy is really a middle-of-the-pack team. And when I say middle-of-the-pack, I'm talking about of the 128 Division One football teams, not just, you know, comparing them to the average power five team. If you look at uh, some of their, their efficiency ratings and the teams that are really close to them um, in there, Troy is uh, right behind the likes of Boston college and North Texas and just above teams like North Carolina and Memphis. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea of where they are from a, an efficiency perspective. Um, so, what that means to say is Troy's not a very good football team when you talk about a team that was ranked as highly as LSU was. Um, what I think this this game really highlights to me is how the ranking system that we use in college football um, subscribes to one of the, at least the, the pre-committee uh, rankings, subscribes to one of the, the biggest biases um, you can have, which is anchoring to a fake number. 
Um, I don't think there's a pundit out there anywhere that would say that preseason rankings really mean anything. Um, but because of the whole idea of anchoring of, oh, this team was ranked 15, we can't drop them you know, more than a couple slots because of a close loss or anything like that. When that's completely not the case, if you really do clean the slate and start from the beginning, then that needs to be the case. The other thing is they talk about, um, that's very hard with college football, is talking about when you beat a team and how much that actually means. Um, so, you know, LSU got absolutely manhandled by Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State entering this weekend was still ranked 24 after getting manhandled by Georgia uh, because of that win over LSU. Um, they go into Auburn uh, this weekend and they get manhandled by Auburn. So you're talking back to back, absolutely demolished. Um, you know, Auburn and Georgia may be good, but you know, 30 plus point back to back losses. Um, those two teams are not that good if Mississippi State truly is a top 25 team. Uh, so I, I think what we have here is a case of uh, anchoring bias as well as um, if you play a team that was ranked when you play them, you still get that win. So, you know, Auburn beat a number 24 Mississippi State team that at the end of the day um, – at the end of the season, probably most people wouldn't even put them in the top 30, top 40, top 50 teams, even um, with how bad they've played recently. Um, granted, we still have a lot of football. They could come out to be a pretty good team and everything else. But I, I just hate to see when ranked beating another ranked team that should never have been ranked to begin with. Um and then getting benefits from that. You know, obviously when LSU was ranked, there was nothing to say that they utter collapsed. But uh, at this point, you have uh, several teams, specifically Auburn and Georgia, that are riding high on high rankings that may be honestly a little overinflated off of LSU. That does make an interesting point. I mean, I kind of want to just throw it to Andrew because you're bad mouth in his uh, cowbells. But, yeah, there's a lot of – I'm trying to think of the proper term. Ranking inflation may be a good way of thinking it, of it, where these teams get bumped up because they had the ranking initially uh, that they didn't really earn, and all of a sudden the rope – the carpet gets dragged out from underneath them and it not only drags them down, but all the other teams that were winning uh, over them. So yeah, what are we supposed to think about a team like Georgia now that we know, you know, Tennessee's not that great. LSU's not that great. Uh, LSU might honestly be terrible for a for the sec and, you know, and uh, Mississippi state is not that great. And what does that do to other teams who are, like, really trying to make a statement? I mean, sure, Vandy got shut out by Alabama, but they actually came out and performed really well against Florida. Who's Do they not deserve a ranking? It, it's kind of hard to say. Anyway, before I start making blasphemous statements, I'm going to hand it over to Andrew to hear his thoughts. I mean, the rankings are all garbage anyway. I mean, you can look at it and be like, oh, this team is this team. But, I mean, you know, kind of like you've said, Alabama and 
Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, they all get the benefit of the doubt because of who they are and what they did last year. We're still not far enough into the season to where we've really made any decisions based upon, you know, this is their body of work. I mean, in all honesty, in my opinion, Clemson currently has a better body of work than Alabama, but Alabama's still number one because Alabama's Alabama and because they were number one at the beginning of the year, and it's hard to bump someone if they don't lose. So before we continue, can I just ask you a side question? Do you think we need a ranking system? A lot of I, I, I really don't think that you should come out with polls until like week six or seven. I, I think a preseason poll is an absolute it's a perfect example of the media and whoever runs the coaches poll circle jerking to each other saying, Oh, look at how smart we are. When it really doesn't serve a purpose, except like Tommy's talked about, to create anchor biases and to say, Well, you know, this team was ranked it's like Tennessee. Tennessee's garbage. Tennessee's not a good team. Why was Tennessee ranked? Well, and I do want to talk about that. I do think the media at least has an idea of a point in the sense that rankings drive ratings. Teams that are higher ranked, even if they're playing nobody, will get the higher rankings. That said, I am constantly pissed off with how the media handles their ranking because you'll see teams like Notre Dame in the top 25, which they are again, and you're like, what did they do? What did they do to deserve being ranked in there? That's ridiculous. Sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. I was gonna say it's because it says Notre Dame on the front of the jersey, but <laughs> it actually doesn't say that on Notre Dame jerseys. So, but no, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is you get preseason polls that are 100% based on what happened last year, and I guess to an extent, what you lose and what's coming back, but. Again, who knows? The guy you lost, the guy behind him might be better. But I guess I think I think you should wait to release them, and then I don't know. You take I take them with a grain of salt. You know, you look at the teams that have that have done well, that have won games. You know, we in my mind we're still not sure how good NC State is because we're not sure how good Florida State is. You know, and that's the thing is we don't know enough about enough teams in my mind to really give a hard outside of, you know, the teams that have looked that good, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state to an extent, you know, no one in the PAC 12, that's not Washington state, but, but look at Washington state unranked coming into the season. No one expects anything out of them. They've beaten USC and they're still what not barely in the top 15, but they're undefeated. They're since not a great team. They're ranked. They're 16. Uh, no, they're ranked 11. They're actually still behind Ohio oh. state. Yeah. Are they? Oh, they were. See, I didn't, I didn't look at the team. rankings half the time, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so before I go to Artem, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation. Cause it's one of those where I feel like the media thinks that they need the rankings. It's not like pro football where you're going to have conference games against a team twice so you can definitely determine okay this team's going to be better than this team yada yada you kind of feel like you need to have a ranking system because outside of the playoffs you need something to sort the bulls by and you need just something to draw in the viewers at least if you're the media that's the view but i think anybody who's an actual fan gets really upset with the rankings not just because of how their team gets ranked but because they all seem very abstract and kind of just made up off the top of people's heads half the time. 
unless a team is out in the top 10, you really don't know where exactly they fall. It's very hard to say. Artem, uh, what are your thoughts on the matter? Uh, I, I, I mean, I agree with most of what's already been said, so I won't kind of rephrase the exact same stuff, but um, I do think that the, the rankings are necessary. I do think they should come out the way they came out, even before, honestly, because uh, I, I kind of disagree about releasing them week six or seven in that case. Rankings kind of drive the the passion behind these rivalry games, and some of these rivalry games start early on. Um, and it's, you know, it's my dad can beat your dad or my my guys can beat up on your guys just based on the rankings. Like Logan said, it's, it starts some of this talk. Uh, I think Andrew mentioned it too. Uh, about you know whose team is better, uh, who made up these rankings, this is crap. And what you're doing is you're essentially getting people talking about the sport and continuously getting excited about it in a world where uh, I wouldn't say they're struggling to make money, but they're trying to make the sport more and more popular because they're consistently fighting the um, Stigma. Uh, players will get... Uh, head injuries and then you know go kill themselves because of progressive head-to-head contact well i think it's a t- these negative negative perceptions and i think to do that as part of that uh rankings are kind of play into it right there's hype that comes into it uh when the number one team come comes to play at your stadium whether it's week one or week 12 whether you're zero and 12 or you're 12 and 0 uh, you're going to be hyped. You're going to be talking about how you're going to, you know, whoop their ass and all this other stuff. Uh, do I think that there should be top 25 teams? No, I don't think so. If you look at how other sports do it successfully, they release the top 10%. So in a, in a tennis bracket of 64 players, you'll have maybe eight people that are the ranked guys in that matchup, and everybody else is unranked. So if I, I think a better way to do it would be to release the top 10 teams. You'd still argue about the same stuff, but... I think there would be less arguing right now. You know, the 11 to 25 is depends on who you ask. Whereas I think most people would agree most of the time, <laughs> at least starting on week eight, most people would agree on the top 10 teams. Okay. Uh, Tommy has some stuff to talk about, so I'm going to go back to him. But first, Andrew, do you have a rebuttal to that? Or do you kind of agree with Artem about just decreasing the number of rankings? I mean, I, I get what he's saying, but but I'm the kind of person where, I mean, I'm, I'm hyped regardless of who's ranked. I'm also somewhat more of a realist. Like I fully expect Clemson to beat the ever living dog shit out of Georgia tech this year. You know, I mean, you can watch two teams in a couple of games and get a feel for, uh, I mean, yeah, you have some that are close together. Like we always talk about coastal chaos and how there's a lot of parody in the coastal, but with other teams you can look and say, it's like Alabama. I don't think anybody, I honestly, 100%, and, you know, you can write it down now, week six, but I, I'd i be willing to put a decent amount of money on getting a Clemson-Alabama rematch round three in the national title game. You and every, I mean, from everyone that I've watched, I don't see anyone that's good enough to challenge the two of them. You and every Bama fan in the nation, but continue, sorry. And I think it'd be a hell of a game, <laughs> you know. But, I, I don't know, I just... Again, I think it's just a little ridiculous. And like you said, I think it is a bit of a tribalism, a bit of a my dad can beat, your dad can beat, such and such. But, you know, we can look at polls and you see they're biased towards major conferences. They're biased towards historically successful programs. Uh, You know, I mean, 
I don't know. That's 100% uh, true. And uh, just to hit up on that, like, uh, just a small thing before we pass it on to Tommy. Um, if you look at, like, A&M opened against UCLA. Both teams had hot coaches, uh, coaches in the hot seat. You know, they're trying to pack in the stadium. I think they maybe got 60,000 fans. Uh, then you look at, you know, a team like Alabama who packs in the stadium every single time just because Alabama football is Alabama. They don't care about anything else. They'll pack that stadium every single time. And you can, you know, from that, they make a lot more money, whereas California is like, well, we got Golden State. <laughs> is that it? Okay. I mean, that's that's a bit of an extent, but, I mean, you also have teams like South Carolina that are historically bad. I mean, before Lou Holtz, South Carolina was historically bad. I mean, two and three win seasons, but they'd sell out a stadium to watch a trash team. So, so I don't necessarily think rankings really play that much of a role in some of that. Well, and that also brings up a kind of a – I don't know necessarily that particular statement, but it does bring up a counterpoint where you're looking at – teams in certain conferences have a higher propensity to be ranked just because they're in that conference, not necessarily because they're good. And that kind of goes back to Tommy's argument. Sorry, Tommy, you're just kind of staring blankly at us now. Do you want to go into it? No, I mean, I, I, I think Artem definitely hit on another point to this is the fact that we're able to talk about these rankings like this and debate them and everything is exactly what makes college football great. Um, I mean, like, this season is the first year I haven't watched a full NFL game um, by, you know, what are we in, week three or week four now, um, which is, I know, shocking. But, uh, you know, we've got 128 teams, and of those 128 teams, at the beginning of the season, you can basically write off 100 of them as having zero chance of making the playoffs. Yes, in theory, um, they could win out and go and everything, but uh, you've got 128 teams, pretty much 100 of them you can write off straight from the beginning for not making the national championship, but it's still a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And any one of those teams can beat one of the top five teams uh, on any given Saturday. Um, the you know, for all the, the issues that the NCAA has with, you know, the, the whole paying the players, should we, should we not, all the, the ridiculous rules around recruiting and what is and is not considered cheating, um, all the, the booster stories and the, the underhanded, all of that stuff is super interesting to watch. Watching National Signing Day and, and where players are picking, um, getting almost more visibility than the NFL draft does. Uh, some years it's just an incredible sport and I think they've done a good job of taking a sport like Artem says that that is facing a lot of backlash and they've continued to buy into what makes the sport great um and that is the the volatility the fact that there's not enough games to really say this is the best regular season team like you can't say that because nobody's played enough games after 12 when you're talking about 128 teams um, I, I so do want to say I this season a little different, Tommy. Build into it. If, huh? Like you, if you watch USF, that's a whole different thing happening over there. You mentioned, you know, you can write off a hundred different teams. USF hired a uh, Charlie Strong, 
and that's a completely different story he's writing over there. They're r- ranked in the top 20 already, top 17, I think. Well, there's 128 teams, and I said you could write off 100, so I think we're fine there, and I think we said week one that USF is probably going to win the American. But I'm saying in the sense of, you know, they're not just going to win the American. They may go on to do something different. You know, if they win out, they I think they have a chance to go in the playoffs just – because they fire, they hired Charlie Strong. Calm if they down. They didn't hire Charlie Strong this season. I don't think they'd be ranked right now. Well, calm down. The they they still got to beat UCF, so that's a whole thing. And then what about San Diego State? They've got nobody else to beat on their schedule. They could win out pretty easily. So, are you we just throwing them? And out you're of talking the- about this. We can go back to when TCU and Boise State first did this type of thing and got the big bowl wins um, in the BCS era. So there there's great storylines and everything. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. But my point is more that college football has built itself in a way to kind of be different from other sports. You know, you don't have – I think the way Artem said it is best. You know, my dad can beat your dad, and nobody really has definitive proof one way or the other because you play 12 games a year, and there's 128 teams out there. You can't definitively say – you know, this team is better than them. Like, who got them at home and who had injuries when and, you know, who was just hitting their stride at the right time and everything like that. There's there's not enough games out there to definitively say this is the, you know, undisputed king and whatever. And then there's only four teams in the playoff, and we have five conferences that are considered to be the, the big boys, you know, and I am including the American in the five, so. I don't know. All I took away from that was that San Diego State and USF are going to play each other in the poinsettia bowl. So we'll see what happens. Uh, (laughs) If it's it's anything like TCU situation. Okay, well, we could talk about this forever. Uh, It really is a kind of a deep and interesting topic. It actually brought up another topic I want to talk about sometime, which is whether or not we should be paying players based on the ratings these shows are getting. But Regardless, we're going to cut it short. I don't don't want to discuss that can of worms. Uh, We're going to cut it short. A, because we're not that kind of podcast, and B, because we got got to make time for other stuff. So let's just get into the – That would have to be like a four-podcast series. (laughs) There's a five-hour, like, mini-series. Yeah, let's just stick to what we are good at. Let's go on to the fish. Hey, we got we have nothing to do in the off season. We can do that. Yeah, sure. We'll do it then. All right. Fish missing report, everybody. So this is normally where I would talk about my guy Demetrius Flanagan fouls at Arizona, but I believe they had a bye week last week, uh, or something strange happened one way or the other. So he didn't actually play. He owned that bye week. Uh, Tommy is being reclusive. I don't think he's ever had a. Fish Smithson report this year, so I'm going to turn it over to Artem if you are ready to go. You know, uh, Furbush from Michigan didn't report to me this week, so I'm not sure of his numbers. Uh, I know he was hitting the weight room pretty hard, though, so uh, hopefully we'll see another uh, sack fumble uh, against Michigan State. All right, Andrew. I don't know who I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about the man that you should give the Heisman Trophy to today. Oh. And that is Bryce Love at Stanford. <laughs> like, be- holy bejeebus. That kid is unbelievable. 
He's got a thousand yards through five games. Five. Yeah. He has ten eighty eight on ninety eight carries. That man is averaging eleven point one yards a carry. <laughs> You're kidding me. What? Nope. Stats don't lie. One thousand eighty eight yards on ninety eight carries, eleven point one, eight touchdowns. I mean, he's become the driving factor for Stanford, and I am 100%. So his yardages are 180 against Rice, 160 against USC, 184 against San Diego State, 263 against UCLA, 301 against Arizona State. He had 13 carries in their loss to San Diego State. The very next week against UCLA, they gave that man the rock 30 times. Hey I think I think David Shaw's been watching the podcast. As long as they I think he realized, give that man the rock. As long as they just listen let him to carry us, you to the promised yeah. land. Just give just give that man the ball. All right. <laughs> uh, I won't make you come up with a weird one then. Tommy, do you got anybody for the report? You actually just muted yourself, Tommy. Damn it. Uh, yeah, I actually have somebody we can talk about so speaking of running backs uh tulsa has a guy by the name of d'angelo brewer um and i just want to point out that the reason d'angelo brewer is important is that he has run the ball um more times than anybody else in the country uh through five games he has run the rock 136 times um getting about 128 yards a game so his numbers aren't spectacular uh, considering he's touching the ball that much. But if you want to talk about a workhorse. Um, and then another guy who is probably going to overtake him as far as uh, attempts is not actually a running back, but Zach Abbey at Navy, who's touched the ball 117 times through four games and has 656 yards. through So less attempts, less games. He has more yards than D'Angelo Brewer. Uh, talk about a workhorse. Uh, running that uh, spread option, uh, run-heavy offense. Uh, just kind of incredible that if you look at the uh, top rushers in the country, uh, you've got a quarterback stuck in the middle of all those running backs. Does it count as a touch if you're a quarterback? Because technically every snap is a touch at that point. Well, so this is rushing attempts. I'm sorry. So he has to actually, like, tuck the ball and run. Um, and as a quarterback, actually averaging 5.6 yards a carry um, when you consider that sacks count against him and everything, too. It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty good. All right. Um, well, I think we do have a few moments if you all want to go into general discussion. Uh, I honestly didn't have a huge – I was not a huge fan of the games this week. I know Tommy and Andrew, you both hit on the Tennessee game if not just to bash on Tennessee or to stay on how good the dogs have been. Uh, y'all have any thoughts? Yeah, so not talking about the Tennessee game, but I, I think one of the interesting games we got to see this weekend was Miami and what they did over Duke. Um, you know, they jumped out to a 14-3 lead in the first quarter um, and finished 31-6, to so they held Duke to not score a touchdown. Um, and Duke is a team that I thought was actually a pretty good team. I mean, if you look at their schedule, um, they haven't really played anybody this season. 
Um, you know, they beat Northwestern, Baylor, and North Carolina, but all three of those teams were not, you know, Baylor we know is not good. UNC is super beat up. And Northwestern is probably, I'm sorry, Andrew, not a very good team this year. Um, but they are still, they did win all of those games fairly decisively, and Miami just manhandled them. Uh, Malik Rozier went 15 of 26 for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and zero picks, zero fumbles. Um, I think that's kind of impressive for a guy in his state, and I think Miami's definitely a team that we may have to um, look out for here in the future. All right. Andrew, any thoughts? Um, Clemson's really, really good. Alabama's <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> you know, it, I, there were some decent games. Uh, seeing Clemson beat Virginia Tech pretty handily, I was I was a big fan of, mainly because I hate Virginia Tech. You I, know, uh, I think the Coastal will start to sort itself out with Georgia Tech, Miami, next the week after next. You know, in my mind, it's got to be Georgia Tech, Miami, or Virginia Tech are going to be your coastal favorites. You know, Duke, we're exposed on defense, which is really supposed to be their calling card. You know, the the dark horse to me is is the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, they beat a pretty good Boise State team pretty handily. So I'm interested to see what they can do the rest of the year. Uh, in terms of the other conference, I mean, it's, it's Alabama. For the Big Ten, it's Penn the State. East, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State with – Wisconsin try kind of standing over there politely making a little bit of noise. Um, it's it's Oklahoma. Uh, I think TCU is good. I don't think they're Oklahoma good. And then the Pac-12 is a write-off because Lord knows who's any good over there. Uh, it's probably the Apple Cup at the end of the day. Although I do it might be. I think that may be your that'll be your decider for the North. And then, uh, I mean, I think USC probably wins the South just because there's no one else, but. Unless Utah shows us something that they haven't. I do want to point out. They got to stop my homie Bryce Love this weekend. I don't see it happening. <laughs> it ain't, it ain't going to happen. Uh, I do want to point out, since you brought up the Bama game, I am so sick of having to be the Debbie Downer for my Alabama family because it's like, oh, Ole Miss, they're so good this year, right? Like, no. No, they're not. Don't, don't make this something that it's not. Come on, guys. Come on. All right, Artem, do you have anything to wrap us up with? Uh, it's a little bit of early intro the picks, but I think Michigan's going to get destroyed this weekend. Fair enough. I mean, we haven't shown us a lot, so that would be a statement win for Michigan State. All right. Thanks, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate you. You're what keeps us going. Uh, as always, you can check out uh, our Twitter page at Tomeet leather that's leather spelled l-e-t-h-r um and if you want to send us an email at tomeatleather at gmail.com and ask us any questions or send us any comments you want like how much you hate alabama or texas a&m or georgia tech you'd be a terrible person uh anyway y'all have a good rest of your week bye-bye